Welcome to this week's episode of the Top 5 Report. I'm not going to start the show my normal opening because of everything going on crazily in the world right now with the election and everything. It's important (laughs) for me to point out that tonight, as of this recording, it is November the 5th. And the only thing I could think that would be sweeter to open the show with is from the movie V for Vendetta when he said, Remember, remember the 5th of November, the gunpowder treason and plot. I know of no reason why the gunpowder treason should ever be forgot. All right. Uh, my name is Drew. I'll be your host for the evening. Along with me, as always, is my brother Peter. Here. Hey, man. Um, <laughs> How's it going? <laughs> well, my favorite, uh, my favorite election meme right now is the Bill Murray picture from Groundhog Day that says it's election day again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yes. At the time of the recording, it is November the fifth, and I feel like, I feel like this is that limbo. So when you watch. Uh, Return of the Jedi, and the Rebellion defeats the Empire, they kill the Emperor, Darth Vader's dead, the Death Star 2 is destroyed, and the Rebellion has not, so the Empire is a crumbling government, and the Rebellion has not fully taken over the galaxy yet, they have to now build the New Republic, and we flash forward three years ahead to the opening of Mandalorian, and it's a completely lawless time period. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like that's where the United States is right now. (laughs) Yeah, that's uh, that's super accurate. Um, I'm actually kind of glad you pulled back the curtain because we do record the episode earlier than it airs. And uh, I don't know, the election has been so crazy this week um, that I've kind of it's I've been watching it obsessively. And it's kind of I know I shouldn't be because the results like they're still not in. And it's two days after the election, but I can't stop watching it. And uh, I know you're going to go into watching and reading next. Um, I didn't know if you cared if I just jumped in there, though. You can, because I, look, here's the thing we want to have. This show is about escapism and not talking about real world sense. Yep. And we have to cover COVID a little bit because of how crazy that got. We're going to have to cover the election a little bit. But we want to escape and talk about stuff we like and that kind of thing. So that's why I thought that quote from uh, V for Vendetta was so perfect because we're actually recording on the 5th of November. And then. um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, I actually I forgot it was the 5th of November. I usually realize it, but it's just this week's been so stressful and hectic. Like, I can't even believe I missed it. But that's just the world we're living in right now, which is crazy. Um, I was going to. Mentioned too, since this is election week, that means Halloween was this past weekend, which it it feels like it's been two months since (laughs) Halloween passed, to be honest. Um, But this year was like super fun. Um, It was the so we took my uh, my son trick or treating. This was his first year trick or treating. Um, And, you know, he's not even two yet, so he doesn't really know what's going on. But he did get into uh, 
you know, running up to people's houses and getting candy and kind of <laughs> usually trying to get into different stuff that was on their porch and stuff. So we were just wrangling him around the neighborhood the whole time. Um, but we were uh, horrible parents who dressed him up as Chucky from Child's Play this year. <laughs> Dude, I'm going to tell you this. When I saw the photos, I not only was I laughing real hard. First off, uh, you and your wife looked great as Leprechaun and Freddy. But then. Yep throw in him as Chucky and I'm like and I thought all I could think to myself is why did I not think of that when I was <laughs> of age why did every parent of my generation your generation that kind of thing not think of that when our children were that age so exactly <laughs> and it is a thing like you're you're uh dressing your kid as a uh, possessed doll serial killer so it is pretty messed <laughs> up and that's probably why people didn't do it so much in the past but like uh, my son already has like kind of reddish hair and we just like thought it would be so funny to do. And the um, one and picture I like is the one where he's like running, but kind of looking at the camera and he's got the knife <laughs> and like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, and then the other thing is just like my wife and I actually spent a lot of time on our makeup. Like, uh, my wife was Freddy Krueger, as you said, and she actually spent some time like putting prosthetics on her face and looked really good. And I was the leprechaun. And that's the part I wanted to tell you about, because I put a lot of time into painting my face like the leprechaun and I was dressed head to toe in green. Um, the pictures that were posted online didn't show it, but I actually have like the short, short, like old style, like Capri style pants with the like tall uh, striped socks and everything. And like I felt like I looked so obviously like the leprechaun, <laughs> like at certain moments I'd look in the mirror and be like, wow, my makeup looks good. I actually look a lot like <laughs> I look a lot like Warwick Davis from those movies right now. Not one person when we were walking around, uh, you know, said like, hey, nice leprechaun or something. And that was where my disappointment came in, because I thought somebody would be like, oh, nice, the leprechaun. But nobody said anything. And then I realized because uh, on one of the photos that was posted online, one of my friends commented and said he thought I was the guy from Jeepers Creepers. <laughs> <laughs> where I thought I was like so obviously the leprechaun and I was like it's kind of sad because I think I did such a good job on this costume and I think a lot of people just didn't know <laughs> what I was supposed to be so there's that I just thought it was kind of funny How about this I knew you were the leprechaun I knew you were the leprechaun right away <laughs> that's great to hear if that um, makes you feel any better <laughs> yeah um and other like nerdy stuff I did this uh, week, I finally watched that Monster, Hunts, Monster Hunter trailer. Have you checked this out yet? No, and I keep forgetting to. And I remember when we found the show, I'm like, that's what I'm doing as soon as I get off the air. Yeah. Didn't happen. So uh, this is me. This is me going. I haven't watched a lot besides the election this week, and I need to talk about some stuff. So I checked out this trailer because that's short, and I can definitely. It's definitely something I can talk about. Uh, this movie looks awesome. It looks super fun. Um, there's a connection in the movie that's a little bit more real world than I'm than I was expecting. Like I kind of expected it all to take place in this weird monster hunter fantasy world. But there is a real world connection to uh, the characters in the movie. And I thought that was kind of surprising. Um, I'm not familiar with the monster hunter games. So for all I know, this could be Paul W. 
S. Anderson doing what he usually does and just making up a lot of stuff for his movies. <laughs> but the movie looks awesome. The dinosaurs look like really cool. Um, I'm excited for some of the big like video game style weapons in it. I think this is just going to be a really fun movie to see. Um, and then the one other thing I wanted to say of note is in the trailer, there is a moment where a dragon does a superhero landing. <laughs> like from Deadpool, when he talks about the superhero landing, you see a giant dragon do it, do one of those in the trailer. And I'm like, okay, this looks badass. Um, um, yeah, I'm going to have to watch that. Ben. <laughs> <laughs> um, but otherwise I watched one more thing. Um, and I don't know if I want to save it cause I, I'm pretty positive you watched it as well, um, which you can probably guess what that is, too. Uh, Mandalorian. Yep. <laughs> yep. Um, I didn't know if you wanted to talk about it now or if you wanted to save it for a bit, if there was some quick things you wanted to talk about first. Let's save it real quick, because um, I'll just cover my real brief stuff uh, uh, in terms of what I was watching. And then we'll jump into Mandalorian, because I was hoping that we both watched it. I hope we could both discuss it. Oh, yeah. Um, and then we can talk. And I and I feel that. And this is a perfect example. You and I have talked about how we always record these episodes so we're a week ahead of our listening audience. Um, and originally I thought that was a really great idea because if we had something like The Mandalorian, for example, by the time someone's getting to our show, they've probably already watched the episode. Or yeah, that's true. That is, to, is a good by the point. time they get to one of our reviews for a film – if you look at box office dollars, like on Endgame, by the time we had our Endgame review out, the world had already seen the movie. So technically, we could talk about it freely and it didn't matter. Yeah. Yeah, um, for sure. And, you know, regardless, like in terms of like having the episodes out immediately, that kind of thing, it allows us some spoiler buffer. So I've been I haven't really minded the being a week ahead. It's been kind of fun because you and I can be able to talk freely about whatever we want without dropping a spoiler warning every time. However, we will <laughs> drop a spoiler warning. <laughs> um, I know there's people that would rather binge a whole season, but I don't know how you wait with the show like The Mandalorian. I, I'm I'm one who <laughs> I love to binge shows. I just think that I get a lot more out of them when I watch them straight in a row. With that being said, Mandalorian is one that I make sure to catch as it comes as it's coming out because I can't wait and I want to be there with everybody else on the front lines, like caught I, up with I that know. show. Like, that's, but see, that's one of the that was one of the beautiful things about a show like. Um, uh, Game of Thrones, where mm -hmm. it's amazing to binge that show because of how cool it is to binge through. But at the same time, being able to go into work and be like, did you watch last night? And then, <laughs> you know, and then it becomes the everyone stops what they're doing because we have to talk about Game of Thrones. Yeah, um, I that's one of my favorite things about television, um, especially in the age of television that we live in now, is that uh, or that we used to live in before a pandemic happened. But you know, shows would come out. Everyone would watch. Um, we live in a weird place where I think there's too much to watch right now. And everyone's like, what show are you watching? Oh, I don't know what that is. Tell me about it. And that's what yeah. we've been as a podcast. But I don't feel like uh, after since Game of Thrones, I haven't felt like we're talking about shows the way, you know, we used to. Um, but at any rate, um, I want to jump back to the election real quick. Uh, because HBO pointed something out uh, a couple, like about an hour or so before I got out of work and started heading home to do this show with you. Um, in uh, in the show Veep, which I've talked heavily on this show in the past about um, my love for the show Veep on HBO, about how um, it's basically it's basically a story. It was meant to be a satire 
of politics in Washington, D.C. Uh, with the vice president and then becoming president and that kind of stuff. In the show Veep, they got to a point where they said we weren't we were shocked when we realized we were telling a story that was too close to reality of what goes on in um, Washington, D.C. politics. Um, in the show Veep, they got to a presidential election. It was a season finale. It the the count was getting so close that they started demanding a recount. And then after they minutes after they count de, demanded the recount, they realized that what would have happened if there really is a recount. And then it's going to basically look like the other person, the specific one person lost. And then they started screaming, stop the recount. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then HBO, based on the news, went, hey, we already did this back at the season, whatever. <laughs> and they have the clip of them screaming for the recount and then wanting to stop the recount. It's one of the funniest moments. But what happened in Veep was the presidential race landed on a legitimate tie. Then they forced a recount, which landed on a legitimate tie. Mm -hmm. And then they had to go into a Senate vote. Like all the like they basically had to follow the chain. What happens when a real tie happens? And they had to literally follow the real rules of everything that happens in real politics to create to show you how it happened. And then it was all scripted in the comedic way they did. But um, it's a phenomenal way that that was handling it. And when they posted that, I'm like, God, I love that show. <laughs> That's um, hilarious. And what yeah. you're saying basically is we're in the season finale right now. Basically, um, <laughs> you know, basically, the, mur the murder hornets were, huh? But we're still in that lawless time between Return of the Jedi yeah. and Mandalorian season one, episode one. That's where we're. That's where we are right now. Um, I was gonna say the murder hornets were the fill. It was the filler episode, and now we're in the season finale. But uh, yeah, no, go on. What absolutely. Okay. So. Um, Anyway, so aside from that, uh, the one thing I did watch before we talk about Mandalorian is um, I finished um, all of Titans. Um, oh, season, sweet. Season one, season two. Absolutely phenomenal. Um, I've praised this show heavily. I feel like because it was on the DC Universe app, it kind of got lost in the shuffle. It is now officially on HBO Max. Season one and two are there to watch. Um mm -hmm. So everyone who has HBO Max, you do not have an excuse now. Seriously, check this show out. Give it its give it its fair share because it's just amazing. Um, the way they handled Deathstroke in season two was fantastic. The way they handled the Ravager in season two was amazing. The transition from Robin, and I'm sorry this is a spoiler, but if you've been paying attention to any type <laughs> of nerd news, you know Robin becoming Nightwing was amazing. Um, how they handled everything was fantastic. Like it was just really great adaptation. That's awesome. That's great so, to hear. I can't wait to catch up on that. And I can't and I can't wait for season three because some images have been released of like the Red Hood and like a couple images of like Starfire and stuff. But Starfire, aside from like the fact that she's wearing different clothes, doesn't look too much different. It's just a teaser image more than anything. Okay, um, nice. So other than that, yes, I watched Mandalorian season two, episode one. Hit me with your thoughts first, Peter, and then we'll break that down a little bit. Um, I loved this. Um, the crate dragon was so cool. Um, all the Tuscan Raider stuff was awesome. Um, I have one tiny complaint, but overall I thought this show was amazing. Uh, my one tiny complaint is they said they were going to bury the charges at the base of the cave and then they buried them really far back. And I don't know why besides just oh. to make that fight scene go a little longer. <laughs> I'm sorry <laughs> to say it. That was just my one thing. I was like, you know what? I, thought they were I didn't, do it I didn't notice up. that. 
I didn't notice that. I thought you were going to talk about how uh, skinny Timothy Elephant looked in the Boba Fett armor. <laughs> oh, no, I, I didn't mind that. I mean, it, it was uh, I thought that was well done because it's obviously like not his armor. So it doesn't fit as well as like the person it's meant for and stuff like that. So I didn't I honestly didn't mind that part. Um, so I loved the episode all just 100 percent. Like it was just such a great welcome back to the show. Um and uh, the the opening of the show, I made a I made a comparison um, a couple episodes back about how I compared the Mandalorian to basically it's basically Star Wars as Batman. And then so like the Mandalorian and Batman are like almost the same characters, like they wanted to make Batman, but they needed to do it in a Star Wars universe. So we're going to make the Mandalorian. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I made the comparison. And then I'm watching the opening of season two, episode one. And. Um, or chapter nine, as you will. And, uh, he goes into the club and then he gets jumped by the guys and then it's all crazy gadgets. Um, beat the guys up, very Batman ask. And then he walks out into the street in the dark and grapples the guy with the like grappling hook. And <laughs> yeah, that's a the good lamp post, And I'm like, this is so Batman. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's yeah. a really good point. I forgot about the Batman comparison. I wish I was thinking of, of that in the moment. But yeah, great point. And he's even got the cape. I'm like, it's just it's it's to, it's so Batman. Um, mm-hmm. And then uh, so it's it was such a phenomenal episode. I love the Gamorreans fighting in the boxing ring. I loved the and like even the opening, like I said, very Batman when the gang, uh, the gang mob boss decides to escape and run. And then he has to go chase him mm-hmm. out the way. Like, it's just <laughs> um, but then when you get to the. Tatooine. Not only first off, we get to see Tatooine again. Secondly, we're going after a crate dragon. This goes all the way back. This is forty plus years of Star Wars wanting to see a crate dragon for real. If you yeah, yeah. don't know what a crate dragon is, aside from watching Mandalorian, go back to the original Star Wars, and you see three PO walking in the desert before he gets picked up by the Jawas, and he's got this giant skeleton laid across the sand dunes. That's a crate dragon skeleton, and as fans, we always wondered. And uh, I, we definitely were not let down. It was, it was awesome. Um, yeah, it was, it was super awesome. Like just the the visuals in this episode were amazing. And I always like with Star Wars, like I always wanted that sort of like kaiju esque, like huge monster sort of battle scene. Like because you you read you hear about or you see it in the video games, and then you hear about it and stuff from like different books and stuff like that, but. I just haven't seen it on screen like that. And I just thought it was really awesome. Um, and then uh, I loved the pod racer speeder bike. Right. <laughs> um, I don't know if you caught that, but I was like, whoa, look at that. No, I noticed that right away. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, that's awesome. Um, so and- I, when, when I noticed that, I was like, my first thought was he has to have some kind of stabilizer on that. Because would wouldn't you need some kind of stabilizer or otherwise it would just kind of like you know, fly off sort of thing. Like, I think you're overthinking it, (laughs) (laughs) but isn't that what we're supposed to do? (laughs) Right. No, when I say that, I think you're overthinking it. That makes me laugh a little bit because, um, the way, the way I looked at it originally was, is that, um, it's, you have the Mandalorians, like he's borrowing the speeder bike from the girl. Um, yeah in the in the docking bay and he's just cruising out there and then here comes uh timothy oliphant on the um 
on his speeder bike, which is basically an amalgamation, a hybrid of the engine to a pod racer or the speeder bike. So is it faster or not? It's irrelevant. What that harkens back to is if you go back into the old novels. So um, Star Wars lore had all the original novels back in the 90s or uh, 90s and early 2000s before we found out about Episode 7. And when the announcement for Episode 7 happened, they basically said all those novels and everything is no longer canon because George Lucas's vision never lined up with that stuff anyway. And it was all just for fun, giving us Star Wars content. Yeah. Um, they have then basically taken bits and pieces of those old novels and tried to incorporate them into the Clone Wars and Rebels and Mandalorian. Um, and they're trying to basically Dave Filoni said, we don't want to forget about that stuff. But so we're trying to pull the pieces that are really good. But if you go back into those old novels, when you get far enough away from the events of Return of the Jedi in those novels, eventually you start hearing stories about ships that were combined together, like X-Wings that had TIE fighter wings and vice versa. And like they've had, oh, cool. they, they have ships that had to be like reconfigured because of like swapping parts and like things break down. So you use the part that works the best. And so you get, so they always talked about these amalgamation ships that you just basically had to imagine what they looked like because you had no visuals for them. But it made me think of that when I saw that speeder bike with the pod racer engine attached to it. I was like, oh, yeah, that's for totally, sure. That's totally right out of the old novels, like, you know, back when you got far enough away from the Return of the Jedi story arc. So, yeah, that's that's actually a really good point. I um, I guess I just chalked it up to like, of course, these people would be scavengers and would just be kind of building vehicles and shelters and stuff out of whatever they could find. Um, I was kind of thinking if like Ray was on Tatooine instead of Jakku, she might have a speeder that was made out of a power, you know, or not a, a right. pod racer engine. Um, I also saw like, th- like memes shared around saying that it was Anakin's pod racer engine. And I know it looks like that, but is that confirmed? Or I don't that know if it's speculated? Con- I don't know if it's confirmed. I think it's speculation uh, because it's very, very similar, but I don't think it's directly Anakin's pod racer engine. You understand? Yeah. Yes, it's a pod racer engine. Just because we saw pod <laughs> racing in episode one, that at this time is almost like 50 plus years of in the past of this part of the timeline. Yeah. You got to. So episode one took place and then 10 year jump to episode two, five year jump to episode three, 20 years to episode four, roughly five to six years to episode three. And then another three years to the point we're at now. Do you see the time jump there? Mm hmm. I'd be shocked if it was Anakin's, but who said pod racing stopped in that time? Oh, absolutely. Do you see what I'm saying? Like pod racing was still a sport. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? We can't just assume that pod racing never happened again in that time span. I actually like it better if it's not Anakin's because I just kind of feel like it's too convenient that this guy has Boba Fett's armor and Anakin's pod racing (laughs) engine. Like it's just like how many coincidences are there going to be sort of thing? Yeah, very too convenient. But it was it was amazing. And my favorite image of Baby Yoda from right now is him like in the basket with the ears blowing in the wind when they're driving. (laughs) Yeah, I heard people complaining about that, but I loved those all the Baby Yoda parts, I think, because they're like they were kind of few and far between. And then they added that bit of uh, I want to say comic relief, but not comic relief in the ha ha sort of way, but more of the comforting sort of way you know not laugh out loud but just there to kind of comfort you and like 
something for you to relate to a bit. I thought like all the baby Yoda sort of shots were well, really well done this episode, actually. They were. And I hope people don't get and your comment makes me concerned that everyone loved baby Yoda in the first season and wants more. And now they're going to get more and they're going to be complaining about baby Yoda. Um, <laughs> I might have I might have heard complaints from like podcasts that are highly critical of everything. I think uh, the general populist consensus is that baby Yoda still awesome you know baby yoda would have won this election if he was running (laughs) yeah absolutely um all right um do you have anything more you want to say about the mandalorian because as far as i'm concerned the episode was just astounding i cannot wait to see where the show continues on um it was just a really well let's oh no 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 no. we gotta talk about the ending of the mandalorian right i was actually gonna say that if you holy cow i don't know how i almost blazed over that (laughs) um Okay, so I guess Boba Fett's alive. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Um, I was gonna say like the one other thing about this episode is I felt like it it did feel very episodic as like oh this is this story and now we're moving on to the next thing in the next episode. But that Boba Fett ending was definitely like a really good clincher, and I'm hoping is kind of like. Uh, a peek into the sort of our overarching story we're going to see this season. Um, but yeah, that was just really badass. Um, I kind of had that spoiled for me. I uh, heard people talking about it before I actually saw the episode, but that doesn't mean that my blood didn't start racing once I saw him on screen. So, yeah, I just hope that. Um, so my frustration with Boba Fett is that it's very, I feel like over the years he's been very, um, overrated by the fans like the comic books and the novels, which are no longer considered canon, made Boba Fett this amazing, amazing badass. Yeah. But when you break down to like what we actually saw Boba Fett do, he didn't really do anything. So it was basically fans that made him cool. And when you look at what the Mandalorian is, when you look at Din Djarin compared to Boba Fett, Boba Fett is nothing compared to Din Djarin. So you're going to have to really earn back my faith in Boba Fett again, because I feel like he got overrated and it's like, nah, who cares? It's Boba Fett. And now I'm like loving this other character. And I'm like, you can throw Boba Fett into this mix and it's going to get like all this fan praise. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, yeah, that's, I just, I just hope the story plays out really well. And, um, Look, you have really smart people behind it. You really do. Dave Filoni and John Favreau know what they're doing. I have complete faith in them. Um, Dave Filoni handled the resurrection of Jar Jar Binks so mad. Not Jar Jar Binks. The resurrection of <laughs> the resurrection of Darth Maul in Clone Wars. I don't know why I said that. Um, he the the resurrection of Darth Maul uh, he handled it so gorgeously in Clone Wars that um, I have complete faith in what they're doing. So. That's awesome. Yeah, I, uh, I absolutely agree with everything you just said. So I I honestly don't know if I have too much more to say. I'm just really excited for what's to come on this show. Yeah, it's it's just excitement all around. Um, I can't wait. Um, so, yeah, dude, are you ready to talk some news? Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Cool, because there's no news. Um, really? <laughs> well, almost like I literally when I say no news, because of all the election stuff going on, there is like almost nothing to talk about. Um, there's some stuff, for example, apparently a Cara Dune uh, Mandalorian spinoff was reportedly in the works. Um, reportedly, it is not in the works. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, they, 
there's like hardly anything going on. There was a couple things that I thought that I did catch that I thought were kind of interesting to bring up. Um, so apparently anime is a huge success on Netflix. Um, I mean, I, it makes sense. <laughs> I mean, I've watched my fair share of anime on Netflix. Um, yeah. I don't know if you've checked anything out anime wise on Netflix, but apparently it's become such a huge success with Netflix over 100 million households at, at are watching at least one anime title over the past year. Oh, that's awesome. I thought that was a really interesting statistic. Um, I still like, I, I believe I've praised sort of, I think I talked about sword art online on this show a few times. I really like that show. I actually got criticized for liking that show um, by someone who's like a hardcore anime guy. And I'm like, mm-hmm. um, hold on, dude. It's just, I, I'm just talking about a thing I like. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was just enjoying it. I thought that was just kind of, uh, um, I just thought that was kind of cool. Uh, so I don't know if you have anything to say about that, um, but I, 100 million households are watching at least one anime over the past year. That's cool. Yeah, that's cool to hear. I don't know if it was ever this could just be hearsay, but I remember a while back hearing that uh, Netflix wanted to cement themselves as a uh, pretty big anime broadcaster. Like they kind of wanted to compete with uh apps like uh crunchy roll and funimation like and i think that's why they started just buying up rights to random animes like a lot of the uh netflix exclusive animes are actually just sort of imports from japan that they bought the rights for so only netflix can show those shows now um but we've seen with uh stuff what's wrong stupid ad turn off (laughs) Um, I was I was trying to look up a news story and an ad started playing <laughs> on the website. Started playing. <laughs> and there's nothing I can do about that recording. We'll fix it in post. It's fine. Um, um. <laughs> no, but but it's uh the other thing is like um what was I gonna say? But Netflix is also shown with uh you know their original anime series like Castlevania. Um, I think Neo Tokyo is an original one that got a lot of critical praise. Uh, they have a couple different things in the works there that uh you know, even original anime series that have been doing well. So it's kind of cool because to me, Netflix is like the 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 new cable almost like it's that thing that everybody has and everybody watches. And to hear that anime is doing so well on there is just really cool to hear because we all remember when not too long ago, anime was kind of this unspoken, really niche, <laughs> nerdy thing. And it's really cool that it's gotten so popular, especially yeah. on Netflix. I agree. Um so that being said, and I'm glad you brought up Crunchyroll um, <laughs> because Sony is looking to buy Crunchyroll for about a, for a billion dollars. Wow. Um, Sony has entered final negotiations with AT&T to require the anime streaming service Crunchyroll and it's alleged uh, and allegedly prepared to pay upwards of nine hundred and fifty million. Um, I'm curious about this because uh, AT&T owns HBO Max. Mm-hmm. Um, and on HBO Max, they don't have the full Crunchyroll library, but they do have a heavy volume of anime on there under a tab marked Crunchyroll. Okay. Um, so, and I thought that was cool. So when I was exploring HBO Max for the first time, I was like, oh shoot, they have a Crunchyroll section. And I scrolled through and there's a, there's actually a decent amount on there and they have it separated really nicely. So you have like anime and then you have English uh, dubbed versions of anime like they have it separated so you you know this is the ones that are subtitled only these are the ones that are in english like that kind of stuff yeah uh, 
And uh, I've been meaning to actually watch Death Note. That's the one I want to watch right now because I haven't I've never watched that. And because of the because of the controversy about when the movie came out a couple years ago, um, I was like, I got to put that on my list. So um, that was kind of one I wanted to check out. Um, However, um, because AT&T owns HBO Max, if AT&T sells Crunchyroll to Sony, does that stuff get pulled from HBO Max? I don't know where Sony falls in the whole mix of all this stuff. Yeah, that's a really good point. I really don't know. And it, it just it's not like it's not one of the oh, contents being taken away from you. It's just more of a kind of a scratch in my head. I don't know where this all falls. So I have to do a little bit more digging into it. But I just thought that was interesting that Sony might be acquiring that company. So like I, I will say that um, I have like on my TV, I have the Crunchyroll app, but uh, I don't pay for a subscription. Um, you can actually watch a lot of shows just on the app. Um they just have ads during the shows. Um, I've actually watched most of My Hero Academia on there. Uh, but so I don't know. Hopefully <laughs> Sony does acquire Crunchyroll. You'll still have that sort of free um, ad watching option, you know, for you. So, right. yeah. <laughs> right. Well, uh, that's it for the news. That's hilarious. Like, literally, <laughs> like. <laughs> and I was looking at it I'm like, okay, well, there's some video game stuff we could talk about, but we don't really talk about video game stuff because Peter and I don't. I mean, really if there's anything super, games. I mean, if there's anything super interesting, you can throw it out there. Um, I mean, I don't I, play a lot of video games, but I am interested in them. You know, not but. really. I even tried looking at some science stuff, and I'm like, there's nothing like real. Like, oh, I have to, you know. So yeah, <laughs> it's just interesting. Um, so as far as I'm concerned, man, if you want, we can talk the list. Yeah, let's go for it. Sweet. So this is all tangent cast tonight for the most part. Um, (laughs) So, all right, Ryan, it is list time. So please roll the thing. And now for the top five. Uh, So, Peter, uh, this was my pick uh, based off of yours from last week. We talked Marvel uh, heroes and we had Bren join us. um, And... That was actually a really good time. I enjoyed that conversation we had. So I figured we'd flip the coin and talk about some DC um, superheroes that we like. Um, Once again, when I put my uh, thought process into it, I thought I was probably going to come up with some obscure stuff because I read DC more than I read any any other comic property. Um, Yeah. And but then that realized, wow, I own a lot more of the Batman stuff than I thought I did, even though I own a lot of the big uh, event stuff. And there's a lot of characters out there that I like. But this could we could be going on some tangents. We could be pulling out some pretty good conversation out of this. So um, I have two honorable mentions. I don't know about you. I don't know if you've tackled your list or wanted to talk about that at all differently than I did or what. So Um, I have two honorable mentions. Um, I'll agree with you. I have. A couple kind of obscure characters, but nothing, but not as many as you'd think, just because there's some juggernauts in there that just have to make my list. Like it, it's hard to not have some of the core Justice League members on your list this time. So, um, and I guess we'll see how that unfold unfolds as we go. I, but, I guarantee, um, if you've been listening to the show at all in the past, you probably know two characters that Peter and I will be discussing this evening. Um, <laughs> But um, if not, well, you're along for the ride. So, um, so yeah, I have two honorable mentions. Do you have two? 
Yep, I have two. I can go with my first. Um, yeah, go ahead. If you, you gotta go so, first anyway, so. Right. Um. So my first honorable mention is Steel. Uh, John Henry Irons, the wow. super. He's he's tangentially related to Superman because he has fought with Superman many times in the past. He was part of the reign of the Superman. He is basically a self-made superhero who, the way I describe him is. He's the blue he's the blue collar Iron Man. You know, he's like a steel worker who made his own robotic suit that he uses to fight crime. Uh, there was a Shaq movie. <laughs> There's a movie starring Shaq that was based off of him. That's really bad. But uh, I just really I always loved this character, seeing him in the uh, DC animated movies and series, as well as the comics. Um, I really like his character design. My favorite version of steel is the sort of um i guess the 90s like reign of the superman era steel because i don't know something about the way his costume was drawn looked really cool but he also had that uh cape which was really impractical for a uh character with a steel suit with like jet packs on his feet to have a cape like that but it just looked really awesome so that's my favorite version of the character um but yeah, and then otherwise, I just always liked that sort of uh, blue collar, like working man aspect of it. So, yeah, I don't know if you have any thoughts on Steel. Um, I was not expecting or... you to break out Steel at all. Oh, that's fine. Um, <laughs> that's funny. I definitely agree with you on the uh, physical look of the character. Um, I always liked how Steel looked. Um, and um, he was basically just a guy who wanted to, like, when Superman died and there was in the world without Superman. Uh, aspect before you before you actually got into the reign of Superman in the argument in the time span of as they call it the world without Superman he was just a blue collar guy that was like someone's got to be doing this yeah um and built himself like almost he's basically he almost built himself like an Iron Man Superman suit if you will um and to just try and help out in any way he could um I really liked him and I thought it was really cool that of the Superman that it came out of that time period, he became a Justice League member. Yep. Um, absolutely. So, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Um, is that all you had on Steel? Yeah, pretty much. I think I've said pretty much all of it. <laughs> no, that's cool. Uh, so I have, um, so my first honorable mention is Commissioner Gordon. Uh, okay. I realize I read a lot of Batman more than anything. Yeah. Um, so I do have some bat family members on here. Um, and, uh, but I was thinking about it. I'm like, you know, in the realm of superheroes, we could, I could cover a lot of masks and capes and all that stuff for the sake of the evening. But then I was like, you know what? Um, commissioner Gordon really does stand out as a hero throughout. Um, and you got to remember, and if you read into the new 52, there's a point where commissioner Gordon was Batman for a little while. So, mm. uh, um, if you read, if you get when you get to like Scott Snyder's heavy and super heavy and all that stuff, uh, Commissioner Gordon actually took over for Batman uh, as Batman's request took over for a little while um, and wore like an armored sort of mech suit uh, to do Batman's job because uh, the suit was built for him. So it didn't so he didn't hurt himself kind of thing because um, Batman knew he could trust Gordon to do what he had to do. Uh, but Gordon's been there from the beginning, man. He's been Batman's like, I don't want to say sidekick, but he's been like that guy behind the guy um, for Batman for a long time. If you think about it, um, 
And uh, he's a hero in his own right. And there's some really great Batman uh, Commissioner Gordon moments. Some of my absolute favorites. Um, uh, one comes from the Batman animated series. Um, I've talked about it before. It's when Batman and Commissioner Gordon have their cup of coffee on New Year's Eve. Um, just to basically say we made it another year. Let's do it again. Let's have a let's I'll meet you here next year to have the same cup of coffee. Um, and then um, the scene in uh, Batman Begins on the rooftop right at the end of the movie when Commissioner Gordon is telling Batman, he's like, you know, we start wearing Kevlar vests. They start, you know, carrying armor piercing rounds. They're do- we're doing this. They're doing that. You're jumping off rooftops. You know, and they're, he's talking about escalation and then he's telling and then Batman's about to leave and he's like, I never thanked you. And Batman's like, you'll never have to. And, um, you know, it's just <laughs> nice. They got, they got those great moments. Um, yeah. So yeah. I just Commissioner Gordon had to make an honorable mention tonight, even outside all the capes and tights and stuff that we're going to be talking about. So, yeah, I um, I didn't think of Commissioner Gordon, I think, just because I'm always drawn to the uh, capes and masks and everything. But he is a character that. I'm always just happy that he's there, whether it's in the movies or the ser- like animated series or the comic books. Um, and he, he is a really good character. And I think with a lot of these superheroes, the supporting cast is just as important as the hero, um, first and foremost. So I definitely think that's a really good pick. Um, yeah, and I think that's a good point. I actually didn't. I, I think I might have known that he took the reins as Batman for a bit, but I actually must. I think I forgot about that. So that's actually a really good uh, it was thing to bring like, up as well. It was kind of a small note, but it was kind of like, whoa, Commissioner Gordon's going to be Batman. And then I ended up not liking that part of the story arc. But when you that part of the big the, I didn't. So it was weird. It was like that. I, I went into it with like a huge open mind and ended up not enjoying it. But when you look at the big over arc of what they were trying to do, you're just like, yeah, OK, that part was actually awesome. Do you know what I mean? Like when you look nice. Back, um, yeah. So it and I've read the majority of my comics twice. And that's a segment I haven't gone back and reread yet. So I'm kind of I'll, I'll go back and reread it at some point. But I wonder if I'll have another pre- different appreciation of it when I get to um, when I get that far in. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, nice. Um, anyway, this goes back to you. Okay, my next honorable mention is Martian Manhunter. Um, this is a character who I remember I saw what he looked like before I ever like read a Martian Manhunter comic or anything. I think I saw a Martian Manhunter action figure on the shelves, um, and that was kind of my first exposure to him. And I just really loved uh, his character design. I like... One thing I really like about character designs is when you look at a character and you can kind of know a lot about the character just from their costume choices and stuff. And he he has a very, you know, typical superhero look. But I loved the sort of the fact that he was an alien, like just his name. Like I knew he was from Mars, but then, you know, I had to go home and look up what his uh, powers were and stuff like that. But he's a character who I love the aesthetic of. Um, I think he is. He's one of those characters who's actually really powerful. Like, I think you don't realize it, but the sort of like shape shifting and turning invisible telekinesis, like he's a really powerful character and his power set is really, really cool. Um, And then I just I've like I've already commented on his character design, but I've I've I really liked uh, seeing him in the super Supergirl show, like in live action. I think like he just looked awesome in there. And uh, yeah, he's just somebody I appreciate a lot overall. For seeing Martian Manhunter and Supergirl, like the uh, for the first time on screen, like 
like they nailed it. They're like, we're going mm-hmm. for it. We're going to make this look exactly like we can make it look like they, they really went for it. It's, it's really, it's quality, man. I was pretty impressed with it. Um, and they kept going with it. So, uh, and it's cool. And you can tell when they have money to do the CGI on it and when they don't. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. Which made me laugh a little bit. Like, oh yeah, clearly they don't have money for uh, CGI this week because they had to blow it on all these other special effects. But but you have to you have to remember it's still better than like any superhero show we had growing up. So you have to be grateful for these. Things, oh yeah, no, I'm the not. CGI is a little shoddy, you know. Yeah, I am definitely not. Um, I am definitely not arguing at all the uh, the fact that they do that sometimes. But you're just like, well, dude, why don't you have them in the? Oh no, it's a budget thing. <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I've I've always liked Martian Manhunter. Um, he did not make my cut, but because he's not what the part that bugs me about Martian Manhunter is I get really bored when I start digging into the um, uh, his history of the character. And when I say the history, I'm talking about the lore, not like, you know, where they created him and stuff. I get really like the Martian stuff. I the Martian really stuff. I can't I can't identify with it in any way. And I think it's because I'm from Earth. I'm oh. just <laughs> I, I I will say um, I just can't relate to it like you know what I mean so 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 in the comics I kind of can agree like in the comics I don't know if I ever related to that stuff a lot but the way it was depicted on the Supergirl show like that was some of my favorite stuff the whole like Martian Civil War with the white Martians and stuff like I thought that was stuff was awesome but I can definitely understand like the non-relatability aspect to that <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I mean, overall, I've always liked the Martian Manhunter. I really, I think I liked him the most from the Justice League animated series. Oh yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. So, um, yeah. Um, where are we at? Um, my turn, second, huh? Yes, I got an honorable mention. So my second honorable mention is Robin. Um, and this is, it was kind of interesting when I realized I was like, okay, Robin, cool. Second honorable mention um robin is a enigma to me in the sense that he what my first iteration of batman was batman 66 um and at that time and you're like well i want to be batman who cares about robin um robin was just always the sidekick he was always just there um as time's gone on as i've become an adult as i've read more books um Robin has gotten so much cooler as a character, and I'm not just talking Dick Grayson Robin because he eventually becomes Nightwing. I'm talking Dick Grayson Robin, and then you throw in Jason Todd, who becomes the Red Hood, and then you throw in Tim Drake, yeah. who's Red Robin, and then you throw in Damian Wayne. <laughs> the history of Robin has become this really cool legacy character, if you will. Um, and then you throw in stuff like Carrie Kelly and then Stephanie Brown had a turn as Robin for a little while there. Um, but when you throw when you put that all together, Robin is such a cool, cool character. And in the um, in, in the late and the back end of the new 52 stuff, they did a thing uh, where Batman was gone. Uh, this was this was when Commissioner Gordon was taking a role as uh, w- when he was pl- as Batman. And there was an issue of trying to shut down mass vigilantes in Gotham City. And the Robins started creating an army of Robins. <laughs> yeah. They were like finding people. They were teaching all the Robins came together, like all like 
Nightwing. It was almost like a Foot Clan sort of thing. It was basically like a Foot Clan of creating but, uh, these, yeah, they, they, they creating these Robins to help protect Gotham City. They called it nice. the the book is titled Robin War, um, but it ended up being this. It just was this really cool story arc, and it was like all on the character. But you got all this like deep history within that book of stuff. Some of it you knew, but I mean, it was just cool. So um, Robin has really grown a soft place in my heart um, as time's gone on. He's become a lot cooler as we've gone on. So, and then after watching Titans, you just, it's just awesome. So I, w- I was going to ask if you had a, f- I know you said like, you kind of like a lot of different iterations. Do you have a favorite Robin though? Um, no, because, okay. because so like there's a lot of people out there that really, really don't like uh, Damian Wayne Robin, but I think yeah. he's, I think Damian Wayne's, really cool and it's kind of like one of those things where he's the robin we need right now uh (laughs) tim drake is probably everyone's favorite robin uh he was the robin during the nightfall series anyway which is one of my favorite batman story arcs uh tim drake i believe yeah he was also robin during hush which is one of my favorites um but when it comes down to it nightwing is probably the best the original robin yep um so yeah i i would agree with that i um I mean, Dick Grayson, it's just kind of like he kind of feels like my Robin in a lot of ways, because that's the Robin I knew growing up. And then it's just like seeing so many iterations of Dick Grayson. He's kind of ingrained in me like this is my favorite Robin. Um, I do appreciate Damien. I understand why people kind of get annoyed with him as a character. But as somebody who I don't know in real life and I'm watching or reading about like I don't mind, <laughs> you know, um, and then Tim Drake, I always thought was cool. I don't know as much about him as maybe other versions of Robin. I read a lot of the uh, new 52, like Teen Titan stuff, and I really liked his character in there. Um, they kind of had some cool aspects of like portraying how he was a Robin that didn't come out of uh, a tragedy. And he was kind of a uh, like Batman chose him for his merits, which I thought was really cool. And then uh, I just loved his new 52 Red Robin costume. I thought that was like just looked really neat. Um, I really love uh, Brett Booth's artwork, and he did a lot of those Teen Titans book and books in the new 52. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move off of Robin and go to our actual picks for the night, because I feel like yep. we've spent a lot of time on our honorable mentions. So. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, so, yeah, uh, you're number five. OK, yes. Uh, this one, I don't think I should have too much to say, so maybe we'll uh, speed it up a bit. But uh, this is probably my most controversial pick, too, because, Drew, I know you and I disagree about this one. But my number five pick is Blue Beetle. And I am talking about the Jaime Reyes Blue Beetle, um, yes. the one where he has the alien suit. I think this character is badass. Um, I don't know if I... I kind of started to appreciate this character a lot in the uh, Young Justice cartoon series, um, especially in the second season, because uh, there is so much to do with his character and the lore behind his character with like the main invasion conflict from that season. And that's kind of where I was like, okay, this guy, I really like this character. I'm going to start reading some more stuff. Um, I read a lot of the Blue Beetle New 52 books, but that was actually canceled pretty early on. And then other than that, I've kind of, uh, I've kind of read some of the early 2000s Blue Beetles, but I haven't, that's the thing with this character is I haven't read enough of his stuff. And it's kind of just because it's hard to find, um, especially because I'm somebody who reads more, 
trade paperbacks than individual issues. And uh, I just haven't come across a lot of Blue Beetle stuff. But I really like I've always liked the teenage superhero sort of stuff like, uh, you know, Teen Titans, Spider-Man and stuff. So I like that this character fits in that sort of teenage superhero archetype. I like uh, that a lot of his stories are kind of really cool Asian alien invasion stuff. Um, And then just also like the alien suit. I think it's really cool, especially how they uh, depicted it in Young Justice, how it's almost like he has a split personality going on (laughs) while he like argues with his suit and stuff. Um, And the whole alien suit thing is kind of almost like DC Comics version of the Giver, if you're familiar with that anime or the the Mark Hamill movie. Um, But yeah. Giver is a very good comparison to the that specific iteration of Blue Beetle, and I I never understood what it was that I didn't like about the character. However, um, I always <laughs> did like I always did like the alien suit, and I did like the tech. I will say that, and I that since Titans is now on HBO Max, so is Young Justice. Um, so, um, and I want to give that show another rewatch because there's more. Uh, yeah. Uh, there's more Young Justice coming, so cool, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah, I've just never been a huge fan of Blue Beetle. Like, I liked the Ted Cord th- Beetle a lot, so. I think it's because you like the Ted Cord version so much, and this one's just completely different, and so maybe that's, I don't know if, I don't know if that, I'm just speculating here, I don't know if that has to do with it. Um, and I it, like the Ted Cord version as well. Um, I just really, I guess, connected with this version of the character, so. Um, yeah. All right. Well, let's roll into my number five. Um, and that is the green lantern. Um, and I'm not now for me, my favorite green lantern is Hal Jordan. I have no problem admitting that, but, um, green lantern as a whole, um, I really liked the idea of this and I've read a lot of green lantern. Um, and I think it's really cool. I always liked the idea, like basically, you know, I, I really liked the idea of the ring with the power, um, and then it could basically go to anyone. And then you have the um, so not only do you have everyone like you have your superpowers come from the ring, but anyone can wield it if the ring chooses you. And it comes down to like with green with the uh, the Green Lanterns, it's the willpower and showing no fear and um, overcoming your fears and all that stuff. Um, I really liked that. And basically the Green Lantern Corps is a space police, if you will, um, or a space military force. Um, but when you throw in the other spectrums of the coin, you get the yellow lanterns and the red lanterns and you get the uh, indigo tribe and the star sapphires and, uh, the orange lanterns. They're all predicated on different emotions that create the energy that, you know, I always just, I just really liked them. And when you read into the story and you see how, when Jeff Johns and green lantern rebirth, um, not DC's rebirth, but green lantern rebirth, um, Jeff Johns, when he kind of like deconstructed, it was think of Green Lantern Rebirth as Thor Ragnarok for Green Lantern, where they basically deconstructed the character and then rebuilt everything from the ground up. Um, Mm -hmm. And the way it was handled, like I read it just because there was a lot of critical acclaim for it. And I'm like, okay, cool. Check it out. And then I'm like, oh, my God, this is amazing. I need more Green Lantern in my life. And I just started really pouring into it. And it's so, so good how it was like reconstructed in a way um but like not just 
Hal Jordan being my favorite, John Stewart's fantastic. Kyle Rayner is great. Um, Guy Gardner is everyone's least favorite, but he's still cool. Um, and then you throw in like the extra ones like Kilowog and, you know, Sinestro, even when he was at a Green Lantern, there's some really great, great stuff there. I just ended up really liking the lore and history behind all of it too. So I don't know if you have anything to add about the lanterns, but, um, they slowly became some of my favorites. So, no, yeah, I mean, I should have uh, I should have foreseen you picking Green Lantern because it totally makes sense. Um, I uh, I enjoy Green Lantern, but I'm not like a super fan of the character. But I always appreciated that there's so much lore um, just built into the Green Lantern or just the concept of the lanterns and stuff. There's just so many different aspects that you can know about with the different characters and all the different lanterns. And it goes pretty deep. And I kind of really liked that green lantern was kind of just this really, it's kind of a really nerdy specific part of the DC universe um, that I haven't delved far enough into. Um, My favorite versions of the character is probably Hal Jordan or uh, John Stewart, just because kind of those are the ones I grew up with, you know, watching the uh, DC animated series, but uh, definitely great picks. The other thing I was going to say is uh, I do think that green lantern comics just from a visual aspect are some of the most beautiful comics that are just, just in general, some of the most beautiful comics because they're so colorful with all the different lantern colors and all the different crazy alien character designs and stuff. And I, I really want to see them make a really good, I mean, I liked the uh, Ryan Reynolds version, but it's still, there's so much more potential if they make like a green lantern core movie. Cause I just think visual spectacle, like the from a visual spectacle aspect, like that movie could just be really incredible if it, if it was done right. Well, my problem with the Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern is probably the final the final battle, um, just because I don't think it should ever have taken place on Earth. Yeah, uh, and that that's that's a big part of it. Like they, they kind of dumbed it down. It could have been in space. They could have had like a Green Lantern core versus. Um, not Parallax. forgetting that. Yeah, Parallax. You still, you still needed Hal Jordan to be the signature character of that movie, but having the whole core a part of the battle would have been amazing. Um, and it, so, but the, the Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern, one thing that when I walked into that movie thinking to myself, um, this movie has a really difficult thing they have to do, and they have to cover the origin of the rings. They have to cover the origin of Oa. They have to explain the Guardians. They have to explain, like, they have a lot of stuff they have to do up front. And I thought they yeah. actually, really nice job handling that i really do yep and then it was the back uh, like seven eighths of the movie on that (laughs) final that final battle some studio had said this has to take place on earth and he never should have said that because he's wrong and the movie would have been a thousand times better if they would have handled something there so yeah I absolutely agree. So, yeah. Anyway, Green Lantern's my next pick or my pick, my first ones, my first actual pick. Um, but yeah, so I can't wait for the show and um, I look forward to and hopefully Ryan Reynolds in the Zack Snyder cut of Justice League. So, um, yeah, your turn. Yeah. Um, so I will move from uh, Blue Beetle, who is one uh, teen superhero into another one, because my next pick is Superboy. Um and this is a character who I'm obviously a big Superman fan. Um, then you need to get out watching Titans because what they did with Superboy was awesome. Oh, yeah, I can't wait. I really need to watch. This is like a good <laughs> reminder that 
that should be the next show I watch, honestly. Like, and now I'm getting excited. <laughs> but uh, I just always like, I think Superboy is a really interesting character because his, uh, I guess his backstory is so interesting. Like, he's this clone of Superman that uh, was kind of like woken up before he was fully developed, but he has all these powers, but he's kind of a character without a backstory. And he's kind of lost in a lot of ways. And uh, I, I really like the way they... I, I, I mentioned Young Justice a lot, but it is like one of my favorite TV shows <laughs> that I've ever watched. So like, I do really like how they portrayed it. Like, I think they did such a good job of him showing him on Young Justice, like not really having a family um, and kind of trying to look up to Superman as a father figure, but that not being as easy to just do as you would think. And uh, I just think that's it's a really interesting backstory. But of course, he has um, some of the same powers as Superman. So that's really fun. Um, But I also really like when it comes to costume design, um, I'll always really like the 90s Superboy costume just for how uh, bombastic it is. Like he has like oh, the 90s the, version the of Superboy. Superboy. Yeah, yeah, where he's got the uh, he's got the leather jacket and the spandex suit and the combat boots and stuff like that. And he looks very like 90s edgy, cool guy sort of thing. But. The thing is, as much as I enjoy that that uh, costume because I get a kick out of it, I don't think it makes sense for his character. And a lot of people complain about Superboy cosplayers because versions of his costume that came later are kind of just like jeans, a black Superman sh- uh, uh, jeans, a black Superman shirt, and combat boots. But if you're a clone <laughs> who kind of doesn't have that backstory, that costume makes total sense and i understand that it's kind of people say it's a lazy cosplay and stuff but i actually always appreciated that i think the first time i i witnessed that costume was uh back when uh ed mcginnis was drawing uh the batman superman comics uh superboy made an appearance and i remember seeing that costume and it was the first time i kind of saw the sort of t-shirt superboy costume but i was like that just makes total sense. And so that's another aspect of this character. I just really like that everything seems to be pretty well thought out, like down to the costume design. Um, I don't know if you have any thoughts on Superboy, Drew, but uh, yeah. Um, yeah, no, Superboy in the Jeff Johns run of Teen Titans directly comes from what you're saying with the black T-shirt jeans kind yeah. of to it. And that's my favorite iteration of Superboy. I understand what you mean by the um, the reign of Superman 90s Superboy, but um, I prefer that black T-shirt uh, Superboy look. Um, speaking of which, before I move on to my next pick, uh, in the show Titans, they explain where he gets the black T-shirt, by the way. They cover it. It's awesome. Um, okay, yeah. nice. How, how he comes to getting the black T-shirt, it's awesome and funny at the same time so that's great um it's just this cool moment um but yeah no superboy is a superboy is pretty solid and i should have seen that one coming so (laughs) for sure um all right so um my next pick is nightwing um i'm not going to talk too much about nightwing because we talked about robin big time at the earlier yeah Uh, Nightwing is the original Robin, Dick Grayson. Basically, he wanted to be out of Batman's shadow. He didn't like. And if you watch the show Titans, they kind of cover a little bit more because uh, they talk about how Nightwing, he talks, this minor spoiler, he talks about how he didn't like 
like the Batman training got him to a point where he didn't like what he was becoming. And, uh, he was he was getting a little too violent and relying on the violence and he's like that's not for me that might be for batman but not for me and i'm not liking this so he kind of b- breaks off tries to become his own thing and eventually becomes nightwing um creates a superhero in his own right and it's really cool how it is put all together um nightwing became i've read man when nightwing came on when nightwing comes on the scene he's a part of everything for a while when they they did a revamp of the character in the 2000s, um, late 90s, early 2000s, they did a revamp. Um, he became like one of my favorite characters in reading. It was one of those things where I was like seeking out the books um, to read more. Um, so it was like, hey, I was going to the store and I was grabbing Batman. I was grabbing Nightwing. I was grabbing like, you know what I mean? I was like, oh, wait, there's a new Nightwing and you're grabbing it. Um he has become over the course of the DC universe. He's actually become one of the top characters uh, that people read when it comes to DC books. Um, so he's just, I, man, it's just so cool. And his and the backstory, like how he was supposed to be a talon when you get to the court of owls, because the talons were like using the circus to like farm uh, their little foot soldiers. Um, and Robin was, and Dick Grayson was supposed to be one, but then his parents got murdered and he ended up with Batman and became Robin. Like when you learn all that stuff, you're just like, Oh my God, that's so amazing. Um, it's just really smart writing and it's really like good, uh, choices that the creators took to put all that stuff together. So, um, yeah, I don't know if you have anything to add on that, but, um, um, what, what do you think of disco Nightwing? Um, I don't know. <laughs> so did Nightwing go ahead sorry, uh did Nightwing originally like Dick Grayson as Nightwing did that originally come out of the old uh like the new Teen Titans comic comics that were done by uh George Perez and Marv Wolfman was that kind oh, of his first appearance oh, or yeah I, yeah I think so and like that okay. well like when you said disco I didn't really know what you meant so yeah <laughs> well, I've, I've heard people refer to that costume because he's got like this big obnoxious collar and stuff and people say it's the disco nightwing and then later on in the 90s that's when he got like the all black costume with the long hair so it's like disco nightwing versus metal nightwing <laughs> Right. Um, Funny duality. I definitely definitely prefer the black with the blue uh, bird on the chest as opposed to the that disco look that they had. Uh, (laughs) Yeah, for sure. But at the end of the day, the character is still the character. And here's something I want. And it's funny that you bring that up, because um, when people complain about the character not having the correct costume in the movie, this is what I got to say to that. Take a character like the Flash. He's primarily got a red costume, right? Mm-hmm. They could put Flash in any color costume they want. They could alter the costume. They could make the costume. It doesn't matter what the costume looks like. His powers are correct, and they get the character correct in terms of the writing. You have a solid character. Um, and ultimately, the costume doesn't matter. Yes, we all want to see the costume we know and love, and the studios I know realize that. But when it comes down to the when it comes down to the writing and the actor's performance, as long as you get that stuff right, it doesn't really matter. Um, so that being said, I may not have liked that Disco Robin, but at the end of the day, it still really was the core character of Nightwing. And that never changed as you read it. Absolutely. So that uh, I didn't expect that uh, silly Disco question to go that deep, but uh, oh. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, sorry. Uh, 
Oh no, no, it's it's all good. That that was awesome. Um, I I do like Nightwing a lot for sure. Um, <laughs> obviously, I said Dick Grayson was my favorite Robin. So, um, I'll move into my next pick. I guess. Um, I don't yeah. know if I'll match you with this one or not, but uh, my number three pick, even though this is in no particular order, I chose Wonder Woman. Um, oh, not match me on this. Okay, Wonder Woman is a character who. Growing up, I never liked Wonder Woman, and I don't know what it was. I think uh, when I was younger, I think her costume looked kind of corny and stuff. Um, And I think it wasn't until it's actually more recent than it should have been. I think it might have been around uh, the new 52. And I kind of saw some of the stuff she was they were doing with her there where she was like, fighting like these crazy demigogs and stuff and she always had like a sword and stuff and uh some of those like jim lee justice league comics at the time like i thought wonder woman was just portrayed really badass and i kind of turned around on it where i was like no wonder woman's really cool and then uh seeing her in batman v superman and uh her solo movie as well as justice league that just cemented it for me even further. Um, this is a really cool character. She's very powerful. Um, I, I love seeing wonder. I, I think like one of the cool things I like about wonder woman is also like just her seeing her fight with like the, uh, sword and shield and, or, you know, dual dual wielding, like the sword and lasso. That's just really badass. I, something about like dual wielding different weapons is always really cool for cool to me. Like I love that sort of, uh, uh, devil may cry Dante sort of, you know, sword and gun dual wielding thing. And like wonder woman has that with like the sword and lasso. And, uh, no, I, I just think I've kind of just come around on her, I guess. And I just think she's a really cool character. Um, I don't know if you have any specific thoughts on wonder woman drew, but, um, wonder woman has, this like weird up and down with me in terms of like those moments where I'm like, yeah, Wonder Woman. And then there's moments where I'm like, mm, okay. And then you yeah. get, like, and then you're just like, yeah, Wonder Woman again. And then you're like, mm, okay. And then that movie comes out and you're just like, oh my God. Wonder Woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, Patty Jenkins couldn't have done a better job and they couldn't have casted anyone better for the role. And it's just, it's just solid gold. It really is. And then like, um, I mean, you got to thank Zack Snyder for that casting because how they handled it, just how his portrayal of Wonder Woman and Batman Superman rolling into the Wonder Woman film is just brilliant. Um, the I really liked Wonder Woman in the um, uh, Justice League animated series a lot um, and her interaction with Batman and like the relationship. And it's weird. If you watch the Justice League animated series, it looks like they were basically formulating a relationship between Batman and Wonder Woman, or there was one yeah. of the scenes at all times. Um, but they never really did anything with that on the show. They just kind of hinted at it, and I was, and it flushed out the character a little bit when they would they would have conversations um, in a real way that I don't think was always flushed out, if that, if you will. Um, mm-hmm. So overall, I like Wonder Woman. She just didn't make the cut. So for yeah. Me, so. Um, the, the last thing I'd like to throw in there that I didn't think of till you started talking, but just, uh, talking about the movie, like the Gal Gadot, uh, movie version of Wonder Woman. Uh, she, I do think Wonder Woman has one of the most iconic themes out of like any character, like in the past decade, I want to say. And I know that's a bold claim, but she's one of the few characters like out of these, like big superhero movies who you hear that theme music playing, you think of her right away. And it's so it stands out so much. So I just think they did such a good job on that. Or I guess I should say Hans Zimmer Zimmer did such a great job on that. So, yeah. 
Um, <clears throat> yeah, no, really fantastic. Uh, I mean, that's a good pick. It's just, but that that score is amazing. Um, that movie, I can't, I cannot wait for Wonder Woman uh, um, eighty four, but which yeah. by the way has been pushed back to Christmas Day of this year. Um, yeah, I knew it was December, but I'm honestly expecting it to be pushed back even more. So am I, but right now it's Christmas Day. <laughs> yeah. So we'll get to go to the theater and see movies sometime, right? Um, <laughs> for sure. I, I really wanted to save – there's one I'm saving for the end. I think the anyone who listens to this show knows which one I'm saving for the end. Um, there was one I wanted to talk about next, but I feel like that's the one that you and I are definitely matching on and you're going to save for the end. So, no. Well, go, um, go with which, whichever one you want to do. No, I'm not. I'll, it's your I'm, list. Uh, uh, <laughs> No, I'll save it because I know we're going to end up matching and I don't want to mess okay. up. It's fine. What? It's all good. Um, anyway, uh, so the next one I'm going to talk about is Supergirl. Um, I've talked about how I'm a fan of Supergirl in a general sense, um, not just the show and like the fact that I, I love the casting of Melissa Benoist, the Supergirl. They, it was a really great choice in that aspect, but. I really liked Supergirl in terms of the comic books and then throw in Justice League animated series and throw in, um, is she in, she's not in young justice. No. Uh, she might make a cameo, but, she might make a cameo, head, I, but I feel, I feel like that was the time they didn't know what to do with Supergirl. So she wasn't really a part of the show. Uh, so what, uh wonder wonder girl is in there a lot. I don't, I actually don't remember Supergirl being in there, but I could uh, be wrong. So, uh, anyway, Supergirl, one of the things I liked about Supergirl a lot is that she, in my opinion, is arguably more powerful than Superman. Um, and it's because she so Clark Kent gets sent as a child to Earth and then he's soaking up all the radiation from our sons and then he becomes Superman and he's the big powerful Superman we all know and he literally is probably one of the most powerful characters in the DC universe. Mm -hmm. I like to think that Supergirl is um, more powerful than Superman only because as a teenager she gets in the rocket to go to Earth to protect Kal-El but she her rockets gets thrown off course so she doesn't land until he's 30 years of age but because she was stuck in space she didn't age but she's flying mm -hmm. past all these other stars, soaking up radiation from different sources of radiation. And then she gets to Earth and can't control her powers on the level that he has had practice doing so. Um, and then when you watch when you watch Supergirl, when you read the comics, I've always gotten the aspect that she's more powerful and can't control it on that level um, that he's had practice. So he's had to learn how to teach her how to control her powers. But at the end of the day, I think she's still more powerful than he is only because of that thought process. I could be wrong. It's just something I've always thought, um, which to me has made the character cooler only because a character with that level of power that's unchecked. Um, do you see what I'm saying? Like it, it creates for, um, internalization drama aspect for the character. So, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, um, that's actually a really good point. I, um, I kind of forgot about that, but you're absolutely right. The whole, uh, she's like soaking up so much more power before she arrives. Um, and I actually thought, uh, in the new 52, they kind of did a cool thing when they, 
uh, turned her into a red lantern because she had that aspect of not knowing how to control her power powers and sort of the uh, angst that comes with that kind of really fit into the sort of, uh, you know, red lantern rage aspect, um, which was pretty interesting. But yeah, all really good points and like really interesting aspects of her character. Um, I like Supergirl a lot um, as well. Um I don't know. My favorite version probably is that Melissa Benoist uh, Supergirl version uh, from the CW, though. So, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, so Supergirl, my favorite version is probably the Melissa Benoist version as well. However, I really liked how um, Michael Turner's artwork uh, for Supergirl when he handled Michael Turner. And then I don't. I should have pulled the name um, when Mike because Michael Turner did the one book with Jeff Loeb and then they took the character and they handled Jeff Loeb continued writing it. But a different artist took it. Um, I just don't remember who whoever took it after Michael Turner. I He kind of piggybacked off of what my, Michael Turner was doing and it was awesome. Um, so I just really liked that imagery. So if you go back and look up the Michael Turner artwork, that's kind of like one of my favorite iterations of Supergirl. Um, I also liked the white T-shirt version, too. Um, from the late nineties. Mm-hmm. So yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah, that was my next one. So Peter, what is your number two? Um, so I actually, <laughs> so I was actually going to do this cause sometimes I, uh, sometimes I don't save my favorite for last cause I just want to like match you for last. So then I don't like force you to talk about something sooner than you want to. <laughs> so I was actually going to go with Superman next, which, uh, was oh, kind of cool. funny with what you were saying. Yeah. I mean, Superman is my favorite, but I knew you were going to talk about another one last. So I'll just go with Superman now. Well, see, that's um, the thing, because this is a perfect time for you to say, hey, I'm going to. Oh, yeah, I see what you're saying. I see. I see <laughs> what you're doing. That. OK, it's the, it's the back and forth game that we played. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's hard to know where to start. I just um, I mean, since I was a really young kid, I've loved Superman and just like. So, yeah, I've just always matched, by the way. <laughs> oh, awesome. Like, I've always just found enjoyment out of his stories. Um, I he's he has one of my favorite power sets in all of ca- comics. Um, I like that when you read a Superman comic, you kind of I feel like it's kind of cool because you never know if you're going to get like a heartfelt story or if you're going to get some really cosmic weirdness going on. And I really like that. uh it has there's just so much different potential with, the, you know, both sides of that coin. Um, he's obviously very powerful, which leads to extremely powerful villains, which I think that's I've always thought that was really interesting, too. Um, and it's just one of those things like without Superman, we wouldn't have all these other characters to talk about. And that's even on the Marvel side, too. Like this character, you know, made superheroes a thing. So it's just whether you like Superman or not, like you have to respect him in that regard. Um, Drew, I don't know if you have. Yeah. What do you want to say? You said we matched. Oh, so we would definitely match in Superman, but this is your favorite character. So, dude, roll with it, man. I don't care. <laughs> well, we, we've also talked so much. So, I mean, you could talk for a bit and I'll probably think of more things to say. But well, um, so it's interesting because I had this for the longest time. I had this uh, love hate relationship with Superman where like. 
it was just like it was always Batman versus Superman in my mindset. And I'm always like, Batman's always the best. Why is everyone like on Superman kick here? Um, and so like there were times in my life that I literally like didn't like Superman at all. And then like, yeah. as, was, as you read more books, as you get involved with like as you see things, um, it's Superman becomes a cooler and cooler character. Um, and uh, so I. When I dig back in, it's such a really cool, rich character and a rich story. Um, and I and I always liked Superman. I think I liked Superman more when he was like cameoed in things and you had him for stuff. And it was it's yeah. kind of like think of Superman like the American flag where you can tell like this really dark story about whatever you want. And then you have this bright shining image that kind of can appear and you're just like, Oh, the shit's going to hit the fan. Here we go. Cause Superman, yep. you know what I mean? And then he can fly away and do his thing. And then you're off doing this stuff with Batman and these characters. And then suddenly Superman's back and you're like, yeah, here we go. Superman's back. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, does that make sense the way I'm kind yeah, of, no, yeah, like, that, that absolutely makes sense. Shining beacon of hope. Um, I gotta see if I can find it. There's a, um, a really great, great i saved it um because my kid asked me if superman's the most who's the most powerful character in the dc universe because i was talking about how i believe scarlet witch is the most powerful character in the um marvel universe but um he asked me in in terms of comparison we could argue that it's raven right well i did find a thing about superman prime um let me see if i i know i saved it yeah find it superman uh, prime is just super op yeah, but, but it's, uh, it's a really cool write up. Here it is. Okay. Superman Prime is the god form of Superman that stayed inside the sun for 15,000 years. So if you know anything about Superman, that means that he gains all of his power from the sun's radiation. So uh, Superman Prime stayed in the sun, stayed inside the sun for 15,000 years. His powers and abilities aren't even describable and has been said to be the most powerful being in DC history. <laughs> And that's and that's crazy. Um, I always think like, I mean, I don't know if it's considered in the DC universe proper, but uh, my mind always goes to Dr. Manhattan with a lot of the like, you know, who's the most powerful character. But yeah, Superman Prime, that's like it's such a good call. Um, and it is just so hard to argue with because it's like you said, Superman inside the sun for 15,000 years or whatever it was. It's like. You can't even argue with that. It's just he can pretty much do whatever the hell he wants. So, yeah, and he pretty much do whatever the hell he wants, basically. Yeah. Um, but see, you can argue with Superman Prime or not. Superman by himself is that comes back to that. Um, uh, um, think about Batman versus Superman when uh, Bruce Wayne was talking about how you know here's an alien that could burn the whole planet down if he really wanted to in the, in the world of bat Superman being unchecked. If Superman didn't have control of his powers or someone had control over Superman at, um, that kind of power, um, there needs to be a level of responsibility. And until Batman realized he could trust Superman, that's the plot of Batman Superman, essentially. Yeah, you had Lex Luthor playing against each other, but that was Batman's ultimate goal was to take down Superman because of this. Like, Look at the destruction of Metropolis. This is messed up. Here's the guy that has to be learned how to stop or we have to figure out how to stop it. Because if it goes unchecked, if he goes rogue, how do we handle this? You know, so um, but that comes down to the. Yeah, here's a guy that um, 
we have to deal with because how 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 powerful he is. And you could argue that Superman himself is overpowered, um, but it's no different than um, it's no different than uh, looking at it going, well, if it is overpowered, how do we handle this overpowered character? Um, mm. So I don't know. And I think I think that's a really good point because Superman does get people call him like the big blue Boy Scout a lot, and that he like always does the right thing, and it's not uh, believable or relatable. But the thing is, he is so powerful that I don't know that the character works as a hero if he doesn't have that super strong moral compass. And uh, it's always been something I've related to, to be honest. Like I'm not as morally upright as Superman, but it is a good like sort of thing to strive for. And it is something where um, I kind of lost my train of thought where I was going with that, but it is something that uh, I don't, I don't know. I just always thought like, I guess I relate to Superman a lot more than a lot of people say, you know, like uh, the sort of like small town upbringings and like wanting to have that sort of moral uprightness, I think is like a, a really good aspect of the character. Um, and yeah, I, I don't know too much else to say. I mean, We've talked a lot of about Superman on this podcast, and we'll probably continue to do so <laughs> as time goes on. Um, but yeah, it's uh, obviously my favorite. So, yeah. Um, all right. Does this kick back to mine? Yeah. Okay. Did you have anything else you want to add on Superman? Um, I'm good for now. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. Well, this goes back to my last pick, and uh, surprise, surprise, we're going to flip the coin and look at the other side of the DC, the darker side of the DC universe, and talk about Batman. Because if you've been listening to this show at all, you all know that Batman is my all-time favorite. Um, <laughs> so, in the realm of all-time favorite, um, I have a Batman tattoo. Peter's favorite is Superman. He has a Superman tattoo. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that's the way to measure your face. No, I just thought there. about I just thought about that as I was like, wow, that's interesting. Peter and I that's both funny. Like, we prefer one or the other and we both have tattoos of Yeah. Seth. Well we matched, so I obviously like Batman a lot as well. I, so. I figured we matched on this one. Um, um so yeah, and this um so Batman goes all the way back to me. My first iteration was Adam West Batman, 1966 Batman. Obviously, I wasn't alive in 1966, but, you know, you catch the rerun syndication and stuff. Um, I've been collecting Batman stuff since I think I want to say five or six is when I was first introduced. And I've been collecting Batman stuff ever since. Haven't stopped. I mean, if I'm walking through Jewel and I pass the Hot Wheels section and I see a, hot, a Batmobile hanging on a peg, I buy it. I have so many unopened Batman Batmobile Hot Wheels <laughs> in a box. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Um, and uh, so but Batman comes down to I like. Aside from me liking the character and I like the story, it comes down to the 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 costume, the way he's drawn, the way he looks. Some of my favorite imagery of Batman is when he's in the shadows and you can't necessarily see like you can't see the detail on the suit. You can't see the look on his face, but all you can see is the silhouette with the ears and the cape flowing behind him. And you got the you have the eyes and he just looks menacing almost the way kind of how Todd McFarlane does spawn sometimes like that look mm-hmm. of Batman. Um the uh, the car, the cave, all the gadgets, um, it all goes hand in hand. But one of the things that makes Batman really special to me is that in a world of gods, because when you look at when you look at Mar- the Marvel Universe, every superhero in the Marvel Universe, for the most part, 
we'll take Iron Man out of the equation because he really is just a guy and built who built the suit. But for the most part, all the Marvel characters is um, they all have at least one superpower um, minimum. Right. Mm-hmm. In a world of gods. Um, in a world of gods, Batman is the um, he's the guy without superpowers. So you ask yourself, what's Batman's superpower? And they make the joke in the Whedon cut of Justice League um, that when he says when Flash says, what's your superpower again? He says, I'm rich. Batman, you know, we all laugh at that. But ultimately, Batman's superpower is (laughs) Batman's superpower is he doesn't give up. And um, that and I thought about that long and hard. And I saw a really cool write up online about that. And it's the fact that, you know, Batman he watched his parents die in that alleyway. And the, the argument you like to say is that Bruce Wayne died that day, too, because that's the day the Batman was born. And the whole driving force is that he is um, he doesn't want anyone to suffer the way he did. And he's going to stop and he's going to do everything he can to make sure no one feels the way he ever had to feel. He knows he's going to fail every single time. But he will never give up and he will never stop. And that ultimately is Batman's superpower. Um, and that's one of the things that, you know, when you, you can argue, you know, I know Peter, our mom would be like, you know, Batman's too dark of a character, but when you ultimately look at it, um, that really is a big shining beacon of hope for a character to lay down the line, put his life on the line for that purpose alone. That no one else will have ever feel the way I did. And um, it's tragic that I did, but I'm going to give everything to make sure no one else feels that way. I'm never going to give up. So what did he do? He goes out and he learns how to be a ninja. He physically gets trained, mentally gets trained, uh, weapons, martial arts, escapism, like everything he needs to know, criminal psychology, forensics, like everything he needs to know to basically be the ultimate everything. And then, you know, wages war on crime. So. There you go. And I feel like Peter's going to say, I don't have anything to add to that. (laughs) (laughs) No, you did. You did sum up the character so well. So it is very hard. I was actually going to think I was going to point out like another aspect that I was thinking of um, while you were talking about this. I mentioned how, you know, you have Superman and then all of a sudden superheroes are a thing and everything can be traced back to him. But when you think about it, I think. I, and this is kind of this might sound weird, but I think at, you could take any comic book character and then trace them back to either Batman or Superman as far as like which archetype, you know, which side of the coin is this character more like and which character can you trace back that far? And I don't know if that makes sense to you, but like there's a lot of like anti-hero characters and stuff that would fall more into like the Batman lineage, you know, and then you have like the other side of the the coin with Superman. Does that make sense? No. Oh, yeah, I totally. Understand. And, and, and it, it, is, it is kind of a cool thing to look at. Um, I've heard people say stuff like this, like when talking about like music where like some bands are uh, reminiscent of like different older bands and stuff. And it is kind of cool to think about like every superhero you could kind of put in one of one or two camps, which is kind of just, there's something to say for that, but I just think it was kind of interesting to think about. Um, as far as like the character of Batman, I don't know what to add that you haven't said, but um, I've just always really liked him. He's always been one of my favorites. Um, and uh, yeah, I really don't know what else to say at this point. You said everything so well, you know, 
I've been, you know, when we, when I threw this list out, I was like, wow, Peter and I are going to like, you know, it's funny because we both prefer DC over Marvel. So I feel like the people listening to last week are like, man, they didn't talk this heavily about Marvel. Um, and it's not be it's not that we don't like Marvel. It's more of the, um, I knew that we would be going on uh tangent big time with this list specifically. Um, yeah. And I, I've been thinking about the Batman thing for a while because, you know, as we started this show, it's just you you've created we've created an outlet where we're going to talk really heavily about things we like. And eventually we're going to get to the thing where we're going to be really hitting deeply on things. And when someone says, you know, Drew, why do you like Batman? It's never it's never an easy answer. And um, I always feel like sometimes when uh, people ask me questions like in the real world, you know, they kind of roll their eyes when I start going on a tangent and creating this long answer. And I'm like, you didn't ask me a simple question. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I know, like, oh, I know I'm going to stop talking. No, I'm not because you didn't ask me, answer me a simple question. So I always run into that same trap because people will ask me like, why do you like Superman? And I have the same thing where I, a lot of times I'm kind of uh, dumbfounded because I'm a little bit like, I don't even know where to start. But then I've heard how much time people, do you got? <laughs> yeah. Well, and then then I hear other people be asked the same question and they're just like, I like his powers. And I'm like, man, why can't I think of something like that when I'm on the spot? But uh, no, yeah, that's because, actually a because really a funny true point, fan, you know? because a true fan does not know how to answer that question simply. That's, that's true. The question. That's that's the issue right there. Um and not that those people aren't a true fan, but I've had the same problem when someone says, Drew, so what do you like about Star Wars the most? And you're like, are you kidding? How much time do you got? Like, <laughs> um, mm. you know, that's sometimes questions like that are not easy. Um, so that unfortunately, that's what happens. Um, how about this? We we're going to be talking about Batman and Superman for a long time as this show goes on, because you and I are kind of Superman, super fans in that aspect. Um Let's bring this show to a close because we're actually running kind of long. And um, oh, nice. it's, it's, we are we went for a show with no news to lots of tangents and talking heavily about something we love. So um, <laughs> let's <laughs> um, what do we got for next week? And then uh, we'll put this one in the can. Yeah, so um, I'm pretty I'm pretty certain we haven't done this list yet. Um, and I was kind of struggling because of. Uh, the crazy election madness that we were talking about before I was struggling thinking of like, what should we do this week? And then it just came to me. I was like, let's do the movies that came out from the last election year. Let's do our favorite movies from 2016. So, uh, yeah, that's what I was thinking. We should Ooh, do for next have we week. done 2016 yet. I don't think so. I don't believe so. I did a quick Google search of the movies that came out. I don't remember talking about any of them. So yeah, oh, this will okay. be uh, this should be a pretty fun one. And, Sounds um, good. I think a really big one came out in 2016 that we'll be talking about too. So, oh yeah, you know what? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it was, one that's it was, directly related to the conversation we were just we're having, having right now, and it's <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, that's funny. I, you know what? I, the only you know why I remembered that movie came out is because an item from that movie is in the game Rocket League, and it's listed as 2016. This. So, oh okay. Nice. Uh, so if you don't know what I'm talking about, that's okay. Uh, you'll you it's, will. It's actually, the uh, I think it's the ball in the game. <laughs> it's it's definitely the ball. 
Uh, all right. So um, great movies from 2016 next week. That'll be cool. Um, so do us all a favor. Check out our website at top five There you'll find links to all of our social media, Twitter and Facebook, along with the um, link to our email uh, top five report at gmail.com. You can interact with the show there. Head us up on our social media. Either way it works. We are on Google play, iHeartRadio, Stitcher and Apple podcasts. You can review um you can subscribe to us there. Uh, if you subscribe to us, you'll not miss a single episode. You can also leave us a review. We love those five stars, but we also understand criticism because it helps us get better and it makes the words we say feel important. Um, you can follow me personally on Twitter and Instagram. It's the same on both. Drew3927. Uh, Peter? Yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at Ninja Pierre, and that's where I will be sharing my fan theories about the resurrection of Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> all right. Yes. Uh, yeah. All right. Um, all right, everybody. Well, in that case, uh, for the Top 5 Report, I'm Drew. I'm Peter. And we'll talk to you next week. Uh, thanks for listening.